Welcome to the 165th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Several Land Stewardship Project farmer members participated in a special evening recently honoring the writings of Wendell Berry, the unofficial poet laureate of the sustainable agriculture movement. Poems, essays, and even a letter written to anti-Fraxan activists were read that evening. During the event, which was called Standing Ground, an evening of poetry, music, and farming, photos of local farmers and residents were projected upon a screen behind the speakers. Standing Ground was held at the historic Masonic Theater in Winona, Minnesota, and was sponsored by Sustainable Futures at Winona State University and Theater du Mississippi. This podcast features a few of the readings from that evening. First, we'll hear from farmer Jennifer Ruprecht. Here she reads from two Barry poems, The Mad Farmer, Flying the Flag of Rough Branch, Succeeds from the Union, and To Know the Dark. The Mad Farmer, Flying the Flag of Rough Branch, Secedes from the Union. This is dedicated to my husband. From the union of power and money, from the union of power and secrecy, from the union of government and science, from the union of government and art, from the union of science and money, from the union of ambition and ignorance, from the union of genius and war, from the union of outer space and inner vacuity, the mad farmer walks quietly away. There is only one of him, but he goes. He returns to the small country he calls home, his own nation, small enough to walk across. He goes shadowy into the local woods and brightly into the local meadows and croplands. He goes to the care of neighbors. He goes into the care of neighbors. He goes to the potluck supper, a dish from each house for the hungry hunger of every house. He goes into the quiet of early mornings, of days when he's not going anywhere, calling his neighbors together into the sanctity of their lives separate and together in the one life of their commonwealth and home, in their own nation, small enough for a story or a song to travel across in an hour. He cries, Come, all ye conservatives and liberals who want to conserve the good things and be free. Come away from the merchants of big answers, whose hands are meddled with power, from the union of anywhere and everywhere, by the purchase of everything from everybody at the lowest price, and the sale of anything to anybody at the highest price, from the union of work and debt, work and despair, from the wage slavery of the helplessly well-employed, from the union of self-gratification and self-annihilation, secede into care for one another and for the good gifts of heaven and earth. Come into the life of the body, the one body granted to you in all the history of time. Come into the body's economy, its daily work, and its replenishment at mealtimes and at night. Come into the body's thanksgiving, when it knows and acknowledges itself a living soul. Come into the dance of community, joined in a circle, hand in hand, the dance of the eternal love of women and men for one another, and of neighbors and friends for one another, always disappearing, always returning, calling his neighbors to return, to think again of the care of flocks and herds, 
of gardens and fields, of woodlots and forests and the uncut groves, calling them separately and together, calling and calling. He goes forever toward the long restful evening and the croak of the night heron over the river at dark. I first read this next brief poem uh, in the context of a book by Paul Bogard called The End of Night, Searching for the Dark Places Left on the Planet. And it, it really spoke to me. My dad always told me about not fearing, the, taught me about not fearing the dark and loving the dark. And when our yard light on the farm burned out, what, 10 years ago, we decided not to get it fixed, not to replace it. And so we've had some great views of stars and that type of thing on the farm. To know the dark. To go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that the dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. Next, farmer Sandy Dietz read the Berry poems The Current and Enriching the Earth. One of the most awesome things about reading Wendell Berry's works is that it can strike such a chord of recognition so deep that it can bring the reader to tears. And my first selection is The Current. Having once put his hand into the ground, seating there what he hopes will outlast him, a man has made a marriage with his place, and if he leaves it, his flesh will ache to go back. His hand has given up its bird life in the air. It has reached into the dark like a root and begun to wake, quick and mortal, in timelessness, a flickering sap coursing upward into his head, so that he sees the old tribespeople bend in the sun, digging with sticks, the forest opening to receive their hills of corn, squash, and beans, their lodges and graves, and closing again. He has made their descendant, what they left in the earth rising into him like a seasonal juice. And he sees the bearers of his own blood arriving, the forest burrowing into the earth as they come, their hands gathering the stones up into walls, and relaxing, the stones crawling back into the ground to lie still under the black wheels of machines. The current flowing to him through the earth flows past him, and he sees one descended from him, a young man who has reached into the ground, his hand held in the dark as by a hand. I chose this next one because I love the soil. It's called Enriching the Earth. To enrich the earth, I have sowed clover and grass to grow and die. I have plowed in the seeds of winter grains and of various legumes, their growth to be plowed in to enrich the earth. I have stirred into the ground the offal and the decay of the growth of past seasons, and so mended the earth and made its yield increase. All this serves the dark. I am slowly falling into the fund of things. And yet to serve the earth, not knowing what I serve, gives a wideness and a delight to the air, and my days do not wholly pass. It is the mind's service, for when the will fails, so do the hands, and one lives at the expense of life. After death, willing or not, the body serves, entering the earth. And so, what was heaviest and most mute has at last rise up, rose up into song. Farmer and Land Stewardship Project staff member Doug Nopar read from two pieces Wendell Berry wrote during the turbulent year of 1968. One reading is from the book The Hidden Wound. The other is from the poem February 2nd, 1968. Here I'm going to read a few excerpts from The Hidden Wound. 
It's a 100-page book Wendell Berry wrote in the winter of 1968, a winter break of 1968 at Stanford. He was surrounded by student protests at Stanford University and throughout California. He wrote it fully cognizant as a Kentucky farm boy, the descendant of slave owners who'd grown up with black help. Two individuals in particular, Nick Watkins and Aunt Georgie, that have been powerful figures in his youth. So these are a few pieces just pulled from this book. That I have thought to ponder at such length over the lives and the influence of two black people is due largely to my growing sense that in the effort to live meaningfully and decently in America, a white man simply cannot learn all that he needs to know from other American white men. That is because the white man's experience of this continent has so far been incomplete, partly, perhaps mostly, because he has assigned certain critical aspects of the American experience to people he has considered his racial or social inferior. For a long time after I was grown, the question of racism remained passive in me. I subscribed to the principles of political equality and civil rights. I had not knowingly mistreated or insulted any black person because he was black. I hoped in a general way that the race situation would be solved in a manner that would be acceptable and beneficial to the Negroes. On the other hand, I was not really dealing with the question. I think I lacked any clarifying or critical sense of my own involvement in the problems and costs of racism. My feeling is that in the people of each race there is a longing, either conscious or unconscious, to be accepted and liked by people of the other race. There is the intuition that such a liking of people for each other would tear away the centuries of hypocrisy and lies and enfranchise our best hopes. But we have a lot standing in our way at a time when the stupidity and destructiveness of racism is more apparent than ever. People seem to be more racially conscious than ever. And in many places, the two races are now divided more than ever and less known to each other. So speaking personally, it's never been easy for me, living on a small farm in the rural Midwest, to figure out how to construct, constructively engage in matters of racial justice and to help move them forward. But by reading Barry's comments from long ago, I'm encouraged to, to press on. I think I first started uh, thinking about raising sheep after hearing Wendell Berry do a reading and talk in the mid-1980s. I remember at that talk a somewhat innocent questioner asked him after he was done reading, you call yourself a farmer and a writer. Well, how do you know when to farm and when to write? <laughs> so he paused for a bit, thought that one over, and then he said, well, if a ewe is lambing, I tend to the ewe, otherwise, I write. <laughs> so for someone that wanted to farm, that seemed easy enough. <laughs> Something I might be able to manage. 
And so Joanne and I have tried to manage that these last 25 years. Here's a, a short Barry poem, also from 1968. February 2nd, 1968. In the dark of the moon, in flying snow, in the dead of winter, war spreading, families dying, the world in danger, I walked the rocky hillside, sowing clover. Here, farmer Cindy Wolf reads from the Berry poem, The Peace of Wild Things. I'm Cindy Wolf, and my family, the O'Neill family, raises sheep and beef cows in a very magical part of the county called Wiscoy Valley. I selected this poem because it spoke to me as I struggle with working on the farm, working off the farm, and mostly trying to raise three teenage daughters in today's world. The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me, I wake in the night at the least sound. In fear of what my life and what my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Finally, Diane Lutjeb Munson read a series of letters Wendell Berry wrote to she and others in southeastern Minnesota who are fighting the onslaught of frac sand mining. This form of extraction is similar to coal mining's mountaintop removal, which has devastated parts of Berry's home state of Kentucky. I have a short story to share with you, and it's woven together with the firm and encouraging words of Wendell Berry. First, a letter received by my dear friend and fellow Catholic worker, John Hyde. March 5th, 2013. Dear John, you have offered me the privilege of joining by letter with you and your friends in Winona in opposition to frac sand mining, and I'm happy to accept. I will say first that there is never, for any reason, a justification for doing long-term or permanent damage to the ecosphere. We did not create the world. We do not own it. And we have no right to destroy any part of it. Second, most of our politicians and their corporate employers are measuring their work by the standards of profitability and mechanical efficiency. Those standards are wrong. There is one standard that is right, the health of living creatures and the living earth. Third, we must give our need to eat, drink, and breathe an absolute precedence over our need for mined fuels. I wish you well. Sincerely, Wendell Berry. This letter arrived here following over a year of collective organizing, advocacy, and activism on the issue of frac sand in our community by countless individuals and groups, many of whom are here tonight. This letter also preceded the largest scale act of civil disobedience in Winona's recent history an effort that shut down two separate frac sand facilities simultaneously. I reported all of this back to Barry with pride and gratitude and soon received his reply. May 21st, 2013. 
Dear Diane, I think I owe you and your friends as many thanks as you owe me. There are more people on our side all the time. And we have a scattering of successes. But we and our poor world are on the losing side. And so I need very much the encouragement of your good work. Yours gratefully, Wendell. Though each letter from Wendell is addressed to an individual, I've always read his words in letter, essay, poem, etc. as a collective call to reflection and action. So that's why I'm sharing them with you this evening, as equally deserving of Barry's affirmations and challenges as I am. As 35 of us face criminal charges of misdemeanor trespass for our actions, I once again reminded Barry of his influence on our work and in our lives in this small town. His response, of course, is not the end of this story, but we all know that that has yet to be written. January 27, 2014. Dear Diane, thank you for your generous letter. Also for your admirable willingness to subject yourself to a jury trial. I hope you and your friends will remember how highly I value you and how wholeheartedly I wish you well. Your friend, Wendell. To view photos of the Standing Ground event, see the number 1 2015 edition of the Land Stewardship Letter at www.landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.